0: Good morning. It's good to be here with you. You, got, you, you glad you're here? It, it doesn't get any better than, than worshiping with you guys. I'm just going to be real honest. Uh, even if we were on vacation a couple weeks back and Kef and I both, my wife, were just like, we kind of miss it. We kind of like you guys. So, so it's good to be back with you guys. And we are in the middle of a series walking through the book of John called Jesus. We're super creative around here, let me just tell you. We're like, what do we want for people? Jesus. There you go. There's the title of the series. And we're going to walk through this book of John, and Pastor Joel has done an amazing job moving us through uh, an incredible book that helps us see Jesus. And that is our hope, is that as we see Jesus, we begin to understand more and more who God the Father is That we begin to grasp just a little bit more the amazing love that he has poured out for us. The amazing love that he has given each and every one of us here today. And so as we continue the series, we're picking up right in the middle of the conversation in John chapter 3 that Pastor Joel led us through last week with Nicodemus. Where they are having a conversation and Nicodemus comes to him in the darkness, in the night, beginning to search out more of who this Jesus is. And so if you weren't here, I want to just invite you to go back and hop online, listen to the podcast, find the video somewhere. You can find it uh, online and just Google that and figure it out. Um, We would love to have you kind of pick up the story because what happens often is people will take verses and they will uh, pull them out of their context. And where we find ourselves in John 3, 16 through 21 today is the continuation of that conversation. But what I find interesting about this passage as we dive into it is really this tension, that, the, a question that Pastor Joel asked us last week. And he said, what are you searching for in the darkness that can only be found in the light? What is it that we seem to be scurrying around in shadows and in dark places trying to find fulfillment, satisfaction, joy, hope, and ultimately what we're really searching for is a full life. We know that, that's how we're hardwired as human beings, to find a full, meaningful life. But yet we often keep looking in all the wrong places, and we look in the darkness, trying and hoping that something will work out. But Jesus has come, and in John 1, we get that beautiful, clear picture that in the beginning was the word and the Word was God in this beautiful mystery, the Word was with God. Somehow, God has always been and is and the word was God, he, he was with God. And that word is Jesus Christ, and that word is the light and the life of men, and that light has come into our darkness. But we find ourselves in this place of going, OK. That sounds great, but why does it really matter as we talk about this idea of darkness and light? What does it really have to do? Well, because the reality is, my friends, is that many of us, we want that full life. We want the thing that we can find only in the light, but we don't step into that light. And if we're going to read this passage in a minute, but I want to highlight something before we stand and read God's word. Verse 19 says this of John 3. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. Jesus the Christ has stepped into our story and stepped into the world. And he has come and turned on a light for us. He has come and brought light into darkness. But here's the tension point for us. Here's, here's where we find the problem for us as people. The light has come. And the people loved Darkness, rather than the light because their works were evil. It's an interesting way to start this morning. Is, hey, guys, we're all evil. Welcome. Glad you're here. Have a great week. No, understand this. That is where we are as human beings in our brokenness and in our sins. We are children of wrath, as the book of Ephesians tells us. Sons and daughters of disobedience. But the light has come into world and that light was the life of men so I'm going to pray for us we're going to stand for the reading of God's word and we're going to walk through this passage a passage that many of you may have heard before maybe you've seen uh, back in the day at every sporting event there was always that one guy you know the John 316 cardboard sign guy you know what I'm talking about we know this verse, we've seen it on coffee mugs, we hear it quoted. It's one of the verses that we remember being, learning as young children. But today I hope you understand how important the gravity of this passage is for us and what it means for us once we leave this place today. So God, I thank you so much for you. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for showing up In this place, I thank you so much, God, that you are speaking to us already, that you are doing a work in us. And so, Father, I pray you send your spirit that points us to your son, Jesus, so that we can get a better glimpse of who you are. May we clearly see you this morning, God, because you alone are worthy of all praise and honor and glory. So we ask you would speak, that we would be, obedient followers, transformed by your amazing grace. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word, John 3, 16 through 21. In fact, I'm just going to call an audible because this passage talks about the world. I would like for you guys to read this with me. You can read from your Bible, whatever translation you have. It's also on the screen. How's that sound? You ready to read? All right. I like second service. You guys are awake. Good job. All right. Don't tell first service I said that. All right, here we go. John 3 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and the people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is the word of the Lord. You can grab a seat. Grab your worship guide. Take some notes. As God speaks to you, would you allow him to shape you? Would you allow him to form your mind so that you can follow him as a transformed follower today? Like I said, we're picking up this story of Nicodemus, and I'm just going to tell you just a, a random story that maybe uh, some people in the room can identify with, um, and, and just how silly sometimes marriages can be. I'm just going to call that out. My wife left, so I'm okay telling this story. Um, she went to go take care of a sick one. But hey... Here's the deal. We got married in 2007, and we moved into a church parsonage, which is the tiny house that the the church owned, which means we were the ones making sure the lights were off and the doors were locked, because that's where we lived. Uh, And so it was a tiny bedroom, uh, and we moved all of our two boxes in, because we're newlyweds and we have nothing other than a few boxes and uh, our bed. And in this tiny room of this parsonage, uh, what began a tradition in the Bilberry household, and it was called, race to not have to turn off the lights at night. Any other weird families, like marriages, you just you guys do crazy stuff? All right, so this is one of those. What happened is we have this tiny house and this tiny room. Our bed, like literally, there was just enough space between the wall and our bed, like this much. And the bed that we happened by, because we are super smart people at the time, was like this kind of country, rustic, chic, whatever that little like t- style is. And it has like this major overhang on the edge. So here's like the edge of the footboard, and there's this overhang. What happened was is... Whoever happened to be the last person in the room to go to bed at night and turn off the light, guess what would happen? (laughs) Ha ha ha. Oh my goodness. Wow, that hurts. And literally, for the couple of years that we lived in this house, we both had a bruise I had one on my right leg and she had one on her left leg. And so what began to happen, how crazy it is that all of a sudden we're like, we didn't tell each other, hey, I think I'm about to go to bed. It was all of a sudden just a mad sprint to the room to say, oh, I'm not getting hit in the shin or not in the shin, that's not the shin. I don't know my anatomy, whatever. This part of my leg. It was a race. And to this day, like My wife usually wins because I'm just hanging out, having fun, and all of a sudden, she just bolts for the room. And she runs, and she takes off because she's like, I'm not turning off the lights. I'm not getting hurt because what happens is in the darkness, when the light is turned out, we find pain and brokenness and all sorts of challenges. This is the problem that we step into. The people loved darkness rather than the light. But God has stepped into our story, what we see in John three sixteen by the giving of his only son to come and turn the light on in our lives. And that's what Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about. That Nicodemus would be born again, that the light would turn on in his life, and he would be transformed because of it. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to kind of take a step back a little bit and, and go back in a few verses. In John chapter 3, I want us to start in verse 9. So we can kind of have a little bit more context where there's John three sixteen verse, and why it is so important for us to understand. Verse 9, Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? How can these things be that you want us to be born again, that you want us to step into the light that you want us to be changed from the inside out how can this happen is what nicodemus's question is to jesus and jesus answered him are you the teacher of israel and yet you do not understand these things truly truly i say to you we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen he's saying i'm giving you the true story the testimony that will change your life nicodemus listen up but if there's a problem Because he loves darkness. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of things we know and bear witness of what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. You do not hear it. The light has not turned on. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So he's telling this story. He's calling back to a unique story in the book of Numbers, where the people of Israel, because they loved darkness, because they loved to not obey and follow after God who had redeemed them and brought them out of exile and was making these promises and keeping his promises to his people because they continued to love darkness there was consequences there was sin that brought on consequences everywhere we go sin will always still bring consequences what happened in this story was that snakes began to fill the camp and would bite the Israelites and they would get sick and they would die but God being rich in mercy Chose to redeem a people though they love darkness. He still sh- chose to show up in their story in the book of Numbers and turn on a light. And what he did is he told Moses, Wrap a serpent around a bronze thing and lift it up, a staff, and whoever looks on it, whoever looks upon that will be saved. And so they did, so Moses did that, and many were saved because of it. It's a unique story that happens in the book of Numbers because what it's doing is it's foreshadowing what Jesus is about to do. It's showing up saying this is how you are saved and redeemed by looking and believing on the one who is going to be lifted up. Jesus, the Christ, lifted high so that the whole world may be saved. So he says in him they may have eternal life. And from that very, without a skip, without a pause, even though it looks like a different paragraph or a different story, verse 16, Jesus continues. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So a couple of things we're gonna look at today, this morning, is I want you to understand Why did Jesus, why was he lifted up on the cross, why did he die? Because of the overwhelming love God has for his people. The overwhelming love that God has for you, each and every one of us. That's why. So what is that love? It is so much more than a feeling. It is a commitment it is a, I will walk with you. It is a covenant sealed in the blood of Jesus saying that I am for you. I will come and turn the light on in your life so that you may live eternally. A couple of things I want us to look at in this passage. For God so loved the world. That's so right there, the reason why I had us go back and read It's because it's tying back, for God so loved the world in the same manner that God loved the people of Israel in the book of Numbers, so God will love you. So that what he did there in the past shows you what he's going to do in the future. God is all about redeeming and restoring and saving his people. It's good news for us this morning. That God is all about, his plan A, his mission for his world, his existence, is to redeem and restore that's what he's after. Because ultimately, when he redeems and restores, he receives all glory and all honor, as we've already sung about this morning. So, what and how does he show this love to the world? He gives us his only son. What I love about this, this passage is that, that word only son, some of us may memorize it, his only begotten son, or the one and only son in some of the other translations. What this means is that Jesus is the one and only, radically distinctive and without equal. So, not just his singular, this is my son, he gives, but this is my radically distinctive, one and only, without equal. This is who Jesus is. He is the difference. He is the reason why we can have salvation because he is God, he was with God. And he is that salvation and that hope for us this morning. The giving of his son is what allows the, to help us move from darkness to light. It is the only way. And we know in John 14, 6, it says, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father because they walked up to the light switch of their life and their heart and their mind and said, On. No one walked up in our lives and we fixed ourselves and our brokenness and said, oh, let me fix it. No, Jesus, he steps in and he brings the salvation for us by turning on the light. I want you to understand that God's love love leads to the giving of his son. For God so loved the world, he was going to lift high his son, so that his son would be the sacrifice for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave His only, radically distinctive, without equal son so that you didn't have to feel the brunt of your sin. God gave His radically distinct and without equal son so that you and I and the entire world could find freedom in Christ alone. That, my friends, is what God's love leads to. And with that comes some amazing Blessings for our lives. Because I want you to understand something in verse 16. That light leads to eternal life. That light leads to eternal life. It brings you to fullness of life. And some of us have misunderstood what this eternal life is. That it is someday I will step into eternity with God. Someday I will go to heaven. It's like we think if we believe in Jesus, we pray a prayer, we accept him into our hearts, and all of a sudden you got a eternity flight ticket to heaven, you know, and you got first class. Way to go, guys. Well done. But I want you to understand something right now. Go to the book of John 17. And I want you, you're going to underline this, you're going to write it down. This is what we need to begin to grasp because what God's love leads to the giving of his son is going to lead us to the giving of ourselves. And here's why. John 17 verse 3. Flip over there with me. Because this right here, my friends, changes how we view our walk with God. Because eternity is not a flight ticket to forever happiness in the future. Check this out. John chapter 17 and verse 3. Jesus is praying before he is betrayed and led to the cross for his people. The high priestly prayer is an amazing passage. Check how he starts this out. In verse 3. And this is eternal life. Didn't get any more clear for a definition, so so here we go. Underline this, write it down. And this is eternal life. That they know you, the one and only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. This is eternal life, Scripture tells us. Eternal life is not something to come. It is here and now when we know and we walk with God. Eternity is right now. When you know and you believe in Jesus, because then you know and you walk with the Father. How many of us, we still, we're waiting for things to get better someday. I'm about to call out my heritage for a quick second. There is a terrible hymn. I don't know if it's a hymn, it's a chorus, I don't know what it is. It's wrong, whatever it is. Some glad morning, when this life is over, I'll fly away. Anybody know this? You northerners, God bless you. Hopefully you didn't have to endure it too long. Okay? I'm from the south, we do weird things, okay? Apologize for that. Anybody know that song? I don't mean to make fun of you, I don't mean to out it. Guys, that's not what it's about. It's not about some glad morning, I'll fly away, but eternity is now. Eternity is right here when we know God and we know Jesus Christ. So welcome to eternity. Welcome to eternity now. The hard thing is, is because the people still love darkness, the presence of sin is still around us. But you have eternal life now in Jesus Christ, which means some things got to change. It means that things are going to look differently because we begin to see our circumstances differently than something I've got to get out of, but something I get to step into. Eternal life is not about something I get out of, but eternal life because Jesus Christ steps into our story. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son to step into our story. You get to step into a story today. You get to step into a story tomorrow at your workplace You get to step into a story when you sit down with your family for lunch or dinner today. You get to step into a story tomorrow, students in the room, because God so loved the world he gave his son. You get to step into your classroom tomorrow because eternity is now. And it changes how you view things. For God so loved the world that he gave eternal life for whoever would believe in Jesus and it begins now. And it's got to change some things. Because if I'm looking at eternal life as something now, that means I get to be a part of the redemptive story that God is writing. That Chapel Point gets to be a part of the redemptive story that God's writing here in West Michigan and beyond. That the languages you heard spoken would begin to change because eternity begins Now, when we believe this is eternal life, to know the true God in Jesus Christ, this is eternal life, we get to step into that fullness here and now by his strength, by his power. Because guess what happens when we know that we have eternal life, that that light leads to eternal life? Here's what can fuel the journey for you. Like Sometimes life feels really difficult. Okay, I'm going to give us an, a, a thing that may help spark some of that for you, that, that you can take another step of faith and strength in Jesus Christ. Because what happens in verse 17, check this out. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. God did not send his son into the world to say, "Ooh, man, <laughs> your list of wrongs. is He didn't come. Checking it twice, like the old story of Santa. He doesn't come looking for naughty and nice people. He didn't come to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Because of God's giving him a son, it leads to no condemnation. Romans 8, 1 says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want you to hear something loud and clear this morning, that in Jesus Christ, you are free from your sin, from the things you did in the past, from the baggage you want to keep picking up and carrying. Let it go. Put it down. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because condemnation lies in the dark. But Jesus is come and saying, you're free Come on out of the darkness. Come on out of hiding because sin and darkness wants to isolate and put you away. You're not good enough. You won't measure up to anything. You are unloved. You will never make it in this world. And Jesus says, that's not true. That's a lie. Jesus shows up, the light of life, and says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Some good news, right? Like, for real, for real. You are free. There is no one here in this room that says you're guilty. If you are in Jesus Christ, you are free. Doesn't mean we don't have to deal with the consequences of sin. But it does mean you're free. And by God's grace and by his strength, you will walk in that freedom. This is my story, friends. I didn't understand how much I allowed guilt and shame to wrap me up and to tie me in and put me in the dark. <laughs> the voices or the words or however you want to talk about it, the thoughts in my head of, <laughs> you can't tell them that. They'll never love you. You can't talk about that. Ugh, man, you'll never be good enough. That stuff, that is guilt and shame and heaps and heaps of condemnation. But God, through Jesus Christ, says there is now no condemnation. You are free, my friends. The light has been turned on in your life, and you are free in him. God's love leads to the giving of a son that leads and that light leads to eternal life that light leads to no condemnation that light in verse 18 look at this again this echo he's this is the big idea why did god send his son to bring freedom to bring hope verse 18 whoever believes in him is not condemned if you're not condemned then this should bring hope for us this should bring motivation for us because the gospel is not the only thing that sustains us or saves us it is the thing that will sus- that will sustain us if i can say it right The gospel is not just that which saves us, but is that which sustains us. It is the hope that we have to live here and now in eternity in Jesus Christ so that whatever happens in your life, the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one, whatever difficulties you face, you have hope in Jesus Christ because you know the Father and you know his love for you. It leads to hope. Like, this just gets me excited for you. What would it look like if Chapel Point, if each and every one of you guys, first service, second service, all of CP kids and CP students and young adults and all the older adults, no disrespect, began to actually live in the freedom we have in Jesus Christ, in the hope that we have in Jesus Christ? I think some things would change. I think some marriages would look radically different. I think your job place would look radically different. And I'm not saying you just got to go around and look like some preacher guy just with a Bible. I'm not saying that. Just live. If eternity is now, and there's no condemnation for those who are here in Jesus Christ, live fully alive in that. Trust Holy Spirit, follow His steps, and go for it. And the cool thing is, is we have one another. We have one another to walk through life with. So when it gets hard, when hope seems to start seeing a little E on the hopometer, we get to remind each other like we did with the communion today. That his body was broken and his blood was poured out for us. Therefore, I will hope in him. We're reminded that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Therefore, it begins to fill up the hope back in us, and faith begins to rise up, and we begin to step out as the men and women and students and kids that he has called us and made us to be. That is what God's love leads to. The giving of a son. Light leads to eternal life. It leads to no condemnation. It leads to hope. And this is something that I've had to learn, and it's been a little bit of a challenge for me, but I am finding more and more the freedom that comes in this. That God's light, it leads to conviction for living in the light. Verse 19, check this out. Verse 19 tells us, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. When Jesus shows up and he brings no condemnation and he brings hope and he brings eternal life into our lives, what he begins to do in us is he helps us distinguish between darkness and the light. Darkness and the light. Have you been to an ophthalmologist? One or two? One or two? (laughs) Sorry, random joke. It literally just came to me. (laughs) But it helps us distinguish between the two so that we can see clearly who God is. We can see clearly that God is light. We begin to see in us. There are things that are not of God because sin is still around us. We are still broken. And one day, King Jesus will return and the presence of sin will be removed and things will be as it should be in the book of Revelation where it says, I behold the is coming when I will make all things new and I will wipe every tear from their eye." Anybody looking forward to that day? Come, Lord Jesus, because life can be difficult, but what I know is that eternal life is now, and that I have hope in Jesus now. I know that I can live for him and through him now. And that conviction helps us. In fact, in Proverbs, verse 14 and 12, it says there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. God's love would send... Leads to the giving of his son, helps us determine, does this way lead to death or does this way lead to life? That right there, my friends, is how you live in the freedom, not in condemnation. The evil one will say, you're broken, useless, unworthy. The gospel says, I loved you enough to die for you. Sin and brokenness will say, you can't tell anybody. You need to remove yourself and isolate yourself from that. Don't allow anyone to see the cracks in your life. And Jesus says, bring me all your brokenness because I already know about it, and I love every bit of it, and I'm going to make all things new. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. means I will give you the purpose that you were made for, the life that you were meant to have. And this isn't just self-help, motivation. It is through Jesus Christ only. And if we know that God's love leads to the giving of his son, and that son is the light in the life of man, and it leads to eternal life, it leads us to no condemnation. It leads us to have hope. It leads us to live in conviction, knowing that when we follow conviction, we're going to walk into the light and be children of the light. Something else it does in the passage is it leads us to change. God sent his uniquely distinctive without equal son to redeem and restore the broken people. God is still doing the same thing and he's allowing you and I to be a part of it. Because of the hope that he's put in us in broken vessels and broken people who don't have it all figured out, hey listen, like for real Ask my 10-year-old. She knows that daddy is broken and that daddy has to apologize all the time for things. There's no one on this stage. There's not one of our elders or our deacons that we don't realize the need of God in our lives. Just like we sang earlier, not for a minute was I forsaken by God, but that idea that I can't do this without you, Jesus. I can't do this without the Holy Spirit. We recognize that. We recognize our need of God. And God says, I'm here. He showed up through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. He showed up and we get to remember and we get to live in that. Hope. No condemnation. Eternity now. But I wonder for us what it would look like and know that that light leads us to love as God loves. That light leads us to love as God loves. Where there is brokenness, we get to go in the name of Jesus the Christ and turn a light on. There's some darkness in your neighborhoods, some darkness in your homes, some darkness in your schools and your workplaces. Verse 21 helps us see this. But whoever does what is true, whoever lives by those convictions and lives in the freedom that hope brings and those who live uh, in eternity, knowing that eternity is now and not something to come, will be obedient, will follow, is what the scripture is alluding to. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Jesus has clearly carried out the works of God for us, on the cross. And He's asking us as a church. He's leading us as His people to go and do the same, to run to the darkness. To run to the brokenness and turn some lights on and say, Jesus is alive. There is hope in Jesus Christ. There is life in Jesus Christ. There is freedom in Jesus Christ. And we get to run around and turn on those lights. We get to be a part of that. We get to be the voice and the hands and the feet that go. To share the amazing love of God. poured out for the world the world is in darkness and God's love is clearly seen in the giving of his son Jesus is the clear view of God's love for the world The sacrificial giving away this is our God And I'll close with this. It was amazing to hear all those languages reading this verse out. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I was like, oh man, that's really cool. God wrecked me halfway through that. As our friend was reading Arabic There is a world in darkness and God is asking us to run towards it. Even when we don't understand it, even when we are afraid of it, even when we know it will bring challenges that we are yet to see. I don't know if I've ever prayed this going to sound really weird and maybe bad of me and, but there's no condemnation in Jesus so I'm okay I don't know if I've ever prayed for the Muslim people like I did as I heard him beginning to read that passage in the Arabic people so I confess that to you the conviction of the Lord in my life in this moment knowing that there is darkness in the world all over is Luke Bilberry running towards the darkness to turn on a light in the name of Jesus Christ. Is Chapel Point doing that? So as the Lord leads us, may we remember for God so loved the world, gave his only son, that whoever would believe not perish, but have everlasting. Would you lead us, Holy Spirit? Would you fill us? May your love echo across this earth, God. May the name of Jesus the Christ be lifted so high for all to see redeem, restore, save bring eternal life to those that are in darkness and may we be obedient to your leading to bear the light to speak your name Jesus as you would have us do have your way God